Good. Uh, well, morning, if you are uh, listening to this in the morning. Uh, it's being recorded in the morning, but welcome to the Third Way podcast. Um, just one thing is, um, if you saw it on social media, my uh, book of essays is going to be out in October, and anyone that is a paid subscriber will get a free signed copy. So if you're listening to this and you want a free book, just become a subscriber. It's eight bucks a month. Um and you get uh, access to all of the essays um, and a few other special things um, that are part of the being the subscriber network. So I am joined today by someone that feels like a friend because we followed each other on, on Instagram, I think for a couple of years now, David Kassler, David lives in Sacramento. And because we don't know each other, I'm just gonna ask him to tell his story in a little bit. So welcome, David. Hey, how you doing? So the, like the quick down and dirty is I was born uh, and uh, went through high school, joined the Marine Corps, was a Marine infantry for about seven years, got out of the Marine Corps after some trauma um, and then jumped into uh, contracting and did that for a year overseas in Iraq. And after a year got blown up by a, uh, a car bomb and had to learn how to walk and talk again. 30% uh, of my skull is um, plastic and still have metal fragments in my brain. Went through a traumatic divorce, met an amazing woman, got married, had more kids, and uh, married into her family business, was, which was care homes for the elderly. And we built um, an empire. And at one point, I got uh, into spirituality and networking and just uh, vibing with other human beings. And it led me to uh, what's called Summit Series. And my buddy was like, hey, man, like um, six in the morning, they're, they're going to be doing this thing called breath work. Um, you want to do it? And I'm like, ah, what the hell is breath work? He's like, ah, I think we're going to be like a jumping around and like breathing, like a static dancing. And I'm like six in the morning. That sounds fucking horrible. Um, <laughs> and he was like, dude, do you trust me? And I trust him with my life. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I went and did a breath work class with binaural beats, uh, laying down, doing the circular breathing and had an existential, existential moment, uh, which everybody did. And during our integration, I broke down. Uh, there's a lot of trauma released. And I went from there thinking, I wanna do this. I wanna help people do this. My Marine background, my voice, my my presence. I think I, I can do this and help people heal their trauma and just be kind of like, as I say, I'm the overrated DJ here, mm -hmm. just clearing space and letting you show up for yourself. Do you do that full time now? Yes. And when did you go full time with it? About uh, six months ago. Um, oh, I yeah. started teaching the classes and had an overwhelming response. And then I said, you know, detox centers. Uh, 
So I just hit up every single detox center and said, I will come for free. And the detox centers were like, wow, like we've been hearing about this uh, psycho assisted or psychedelic assisted therapy. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Have you reached out to VFWs? Not yet. Yeah, I've noticed something interesting about them is they're sort of surprisingly open. Like uh, some of the VFWs are, you know, they're, well, first of all, most of them, like there's been like the national VFW has roundly condemned a lot of um, like Trump's behavior towards the military and what he thought his generals were for. And, you know, you know, these are, you know, VFW people. And the other one is like this more open, like openness to psychedelics and alternative forms of therapy. It was sort of surprising. It was like hearing about the, uh, the LDS church getting behind uh, medicinal marijuana in Utah. Right. Like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, well, what's interesting to me, David, is and a lot of things are interesting about what you're talking about. We'll get into the topic in a second, but at a kind of a macro level, I, I've noticed something and you're part of this. And I get kind of the chills thinking about this is I believe that we are entering into an era of what I'm calling muscular conscious consciousness. Mm. So this isn't, you know, I mean, I love Gandhi and Eckhart Tolle and, you know, all those guys, but that, but there's not a muscularity to them, like a, a sense of like what I sometimes refer to as the awake alpha. And that we are in the state, it seems like, of where we need to have a kind of like, I don't know if you watched the, watched the show Outlander. Did you have you seen yeah. Outlander? Yeah. So there's this main character, Jamie, who has this kind of like thinks probably you you and I both have experienced this thanks to his partner Claire in the show he is more conscious than he would be without her yes but he is a, a pretty enlightened dude who still will fucking cut your throat if he needs to the the and warrior poet the warrior poet right and Marcus Aurelius the, was like that and um I think of uh, General Pat- Petraeus uh yeah. would fall into that even General Miley as I say his name has this sort of similar he's a little bit he's kind of a bullshitter but he's you know these there's this thing going on oh and another one of my favorites somebody i would love to have on the podcast at some point is joe holly i've had his partner sarah on but joe holly is a former um pro bowl uh nfl center big giant guy you know um and he is he's like an advocate of like masculinity and consciousness yes um and i think it's a counterweight to some of the um, one of my favorite terms for it is somebody else's calls it this is conspirituality, which is sort Ooh, of the the, bull, the bullshit like stuff on this on the in the wellness community. Yeah, like using crystals to cure COVID, you know that kind of bullshit, and where you know and and so I would put into that camp of like um, <laughs> I would be careful here because he's not entirely this, but like Aaron Rodgers or Aubrey Marcus. Yes, there's just a little bit of like. Uh, okay yeah you're cool and you got big muscles but that's not what i mean by muscular consciousness <laughs> yeah so, anyway i don't know if that resonates with you or not but well you know i i, I listened to um aaron Rodgers, um uh his podcast with aubrey marcus and i actually attended aubrey marcus's uh arcadia um oh. and it was very interesting and there's you know in the spirituality movement there is 
they're they're trying to go mainstream with bringing awareness to consciousness and what is like mm-hmm. consciousness consciousness to me is the knowing the knowing of oneself and when we know oneself meaning we've worked through our traumas we understand our coping mechanism we understand our personality and we're twe- not twisting or but tweaking our reality mm-hmm. then it's easier to understand like right from wrong Mm -hmm. and left from right. Mm -hmm. And that consciousness is basically saying like, I know what will make me happy. I know within that, what makes me happy if it's right or wrong. And I know what makes me sad. And I do things that make me happy, but are right not um, unhealthy coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. I think my issue with that, um, not with what you said, but kind of that, I don't even know what to call it, but is the assumption that if I've arrived at a conclusion about something, therefore we need to, society should arrive at the same conclusion. If they don't, something's wrong with them. Uh, Yes. It's this, uh, yeah, and you see it with the, you know, there's not a lot of difference between people that are like left-wing wokey types and right-wing MAGA yeah. types. There's not a lot of difference personality-wise because they're both, they just hate different things. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's not, yeah, and, and so anyway. Well, um, so looping back to one thing, thank you for your service. Um, You're uh, worth I it. actually have a, another dear friend who is in the kind of consciousness space as a former Marine too. Um, and he is, uh, he's, he's doing brave things. He's, um, L- he's part of the LGBTQ, LGBTQT community and is organizing like pride rallies in West Texas. Um, nice. so like he's the biggest threat to sort of calcified thinking because he's a former Marine yeah, right. who's LGBTQT. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so the topic today, uh, is around tox- uh, around trauma and masculinity. And I have had a number of, of guests on and written at length about this crisis of masculinity that we're going through. And, um, you know, so this is something I think you and I are both passionate about. Um, and uh, so uh, one of the questions you submitted as to talk through, I thought we'd start with that one is, um, what do you think is the most traumatic thing about masculinity right now? And yeah. uh, you answer, then I'll answer so uh, I think the uh, the most traumatic thing about masculinity right now is our perception of masculinity. What is it to be uh, the divine masculine instead of the toxic masculine? Um, yeah. And within that, it's just the perception that boys can't cry, boys can't be vulnerable, uh, boys can't express their their feelings they have to bottle them up which as we know that is not good (laughs) like you you enter into adulthood and you realize very quickly uh avoidant tendencies that that's what builds avoidant tendencies and then Mm -hmm. we're in our relationships and something happens in our relationships and we're not communicating effectively with our our partner and then they're getting irritated because they want to communicate. We're pulling back. 
and that's pissing them off. That means mm-hmm. they are now being more aggressive, and that just makes us pull back. And it's just a cycle of um, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I think that I think that there's a um, it's kind of like a, there's some duality to this. This like what is the you know what is the most traumatic thing about masculinity right now? And on one side is this fragility. Um, you know, the, the, the coddling of the American mind book kind of talks about this yes. and, um, Nassib Taleb, Taleb, however you say his name, he, yeah, he talks about this, uh, David Goggins, uh, I would put Jordan Peterson in that camp of like challenging the fact that we have a lot of fragile dudes and that you could see this in, especially in like, um, you know, the, the incel you know, like community, a, like a, the incel community or Trump or like Matt Gates. You know, this, these are, are the whole Trump, all the Trump kids are like this, they're super fragile. And so they, so there's a sense of either uh, of whining and complaining and or a, a over, being overcompensating in some way. And uh, my theory with that is, is the reason that there's fragility with masculinity is that uh, there's not a lot of men that go do hard physical shit now. It used to be that there was, you served in the military or you played hard sports you play you know you played like football or basketball or something hard or you camped or you went out into nature or you know just 75 years ago just if you go back 75 years ago 50 percent of the population worked in agriculture and now it's two percent yes and i'm a ranch kid uh and so you know i grew up like you got to have your like shit together um when it comes or or somebody could die i mean you know this as a a combat guy like if you're emotionally or mentally fragile, somebody else could die because of that. Yes. On the other side of that polarity is, uh, uh, is the, is the trauma, tra- trauma or traumatic experience of calcification of like, like that fuck your feelings crowd. Yes. Are the most emotionally undisciplined people. Exactly. If you think about road rage or like, um, and this sort of, I, I refer to it as white grievance. It's like, what are you yeah. fucking complaining about? But there is a sort of Karen energy from these guys that it's not even fragility. It's like they're yes. incapable of thinking for themselves of themselves. And on both spectrum, on both, yes. What what rings true is a lack of resilience. Yes. So we're not um, boys in general are not being taken by their fathers right. or their single mothers and placed into uh, situations where, yes, you may fail and that's okay. Like, but you have to learn to think for yourself and accept that failure and it, people fail. So now that resilience is getting back on the bike yeah. and pedaling and you're going to fail again. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Fail until you succeed. Right. Totally. And I think that goes to also this sort of like, um, I've, the term I've heard is nerfing, where they we, we made everything so yeah. easy, and and I'm not like you know uh, that we should. You know, I, well, I, I kind of fall into like Sebastian Younger's view that we you know, like there needs to be like two years of mandatory mandatory public service after high school. Either I believe it, military or like yep. Peace Corps, or America Corps, or something, because we've lost our community, you know, sense related to that. Yes, um, which is why you see you know kids, boys that play sports have a 
often have a different way that they show up in life. Um, oh yeah. And, um, or, or serve in the military. And so that, I think that leads into a nice next question here, which is, um, you and I are working on the same thing, both with ourselves and others is that we're working on integrated masculinity or integrated trauma, producing healthy masculinity. And when I say integrated trauma, what I mean is there are things in, there are things in our lives that we need to eliminate, like old beliefs that no longer serve us, people yes. that are toxic. The story uh, in our head. The story in our head, right. Then there are things that we need to regulate. We need to regulate our behaviors. We need to regulate our responses, our thoughts. You know, that's what meditation and breathing is really about regulation. Yes. Um, I wrote this this morning that the mind is like a three-cornered room with a pendulum that swings between despair, uh, agitation, and delusion. And we, we are, we are, and, 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 and the mind does not center itself, which is everything we need to know that we're not our mind. The, we yes. are, the true self is the hand that steadies the pendulum. Mm -hmm. and, and so, and then, and then there are things we need to integrate. And I think that integration is, it, I think and I, I talk about this a lot. We need to integrate trauma. We try to heal it, but we're evolutionary creatures. You can't really heal it, especially even at like a neuroplasticity level like yes shit like i'm a child i'm a survivor of chronic childhood violence and abuse for years and i have integrated that mentally i've forgiven my 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 parents i have it's i'm fully integrated Beautiful. but i still have when i'm tired or dehydrated i still have fear of deep paralyzing fear of rejection yeah you know so anyway that's a setup to the question then is what does integrated trauma look like in healthy masculinity or another way to ask it is how what's the relationship between integrating your trauma and healthy masculinity or, or divine masculinity so when i started going into um the uh, detox centers mm -hmm. um i was doing it for free because i wanted to learn more and what i developed was a program called like the pathway and this acronym FAST, familiarization, adaptation, synchronizations, transition, find and expose, unlearn and explore, create and exclude and expand into that integration. Mm -hmm. And what really is the, the core is we need to find, search and expose our trauma. And when we're exposing it in a healthy setting, kind of like with a lot of grace, unlearn our coping mechanisms. So the, the, the reality is you're born, you're born perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. And between the ages of four and seven, uh, predominantly, there is the psychological split. And that happens when we see trauma, like mom and dad are yelling at each other, they're getting divorced, we're sexually molested, something happens that takes us from the world is perfect, peaceful, to dangerous and violent. And when we do, when, when that happens, we develop a coping mechanism. So 100% of empaths are empaths because of trauma. They saw dad come home, dad throws his keys, he's pissed off, 
we learn to see that, feel that, and be like, yeah, not time to talk to dad. I'm going to go to my room. I'm going to wait for him to cool down. Dad comes in. He's happy. Okay. And it's a, a coping mechanism that's built around survivability. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when we get older, we keep the coping mechanism. It now becomes our personality. Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm an asshole. Well, why are you an asshole, John? I don't know. Take me or leave me. I've always been this way. Yes. And that now becomes our reality. Yeah. So now we go through life and we are just broken individuals reacting to the outside stimula based on our inside story. So the, the big thing is just sitting, having that safe space to sit down and realize our trauma, have somebody, you know, if it's not us doing the, the self reflection, mm-hmm. people like you and me saying, Hey, like, we're going to just delve into this and this is a safe space and let's see what, what, um, what is there. So why are you an asshole? John, right. do you like being an asshole? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. I love the way you said that. What was the acronym again? FAST? F-A-S-T. Say it again. I'll put it so I can put it in the show notes. Yeah. FAST. Familiarization. Adaptation. Mm-hmm. Synchronization. Transition. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I think um, I would reverse engineer integrated trauma and healthy masculinity to a couple of traits that I've noticed in myself and others. Um, One is a a much more willingness to show everyone, to express and show your emotions and be able to handle what I refer to as your big emotions. You know, we all have, we have some sort of onboard human app of big emotions, like anger, is, a, is one that we all, it's, a, it's the most easy emotion to accept, access because it's, it's about safety ultimately. But we have other big emotions like love is a big emotion. Um, and a lot of men, unintegrated men with trauma that hasn't been integrated, they don't know how to handle love. Yeah. So they try to control it and it becomes a control thing. And if you're with any person that has some, even a, mod, a minimum level of consciousness doesn't want to be controlled. No. And if they do want to be controlled, then you're in a codependent relationship, then that's not going to work. So exactly. So that's the first one is this willingness to say, like, I love you to another man. If you're a straight man saying it to another straight man, I, I say that all the time. I say it to my sons, yes. I say it to my friends, my male friends, I love you or love you or love you, buddy. And without any hesitation that years ago, I would have not in a hundred years said that to somebody except mm-hmm. my own kids. Um, the second is is um, a they are they have safe energy, like being around them you feel safer, um, and I I mean safe not like comfortable but safe like oh if if the shit goes down this guy is gonna be with me yes you know he's got that like foxhole energy yeah um, and if I get drunk you know if I get drunk he's the the guy that makes sure. If we go someplace, even if even if we go someplace and there's and he and I, what, what I would look at is what he has integrated is his in, instincts and his intuition. So intuition is the feminine from the heart. 
If you're integrated, you integrate, when you integrate your trauma, you also need to integrate your masculine and feminine. That's not optional. Yes. And, but he has this balance where he has the instinct of danger, but the intuition of reading the room related to, so he's not, his reality is not de determined by in, intuition into, or instinct only. Because that's just paranoia. And, you know, we all know that guy too. And then the third one of that integration, integrated trauma leading to healthy masculinity is creative output. Is they make things. They make businesses. They make art. They, they, there's a sense of like um, this. And again, it's the feminine energy wanting to come out of them. So they want to make things. They get their heart yeah. turns into a womb of creativity. Purpose. Yeah, purpose. Yeah. And not just purpose only, but like healthy expression of sacral energy. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so I have this energy now because I have this, I've integrated, I've integrated my chakras. And now I'm not just defined by consumptive behavior, whether that's, you know, <sighs> sex for in the pursuit of release. Yes. Or food in the pursuit of feeling full. Unhealthy coping mechanisms. Yeah, unhealthy, exactly. Or unhealthy, yeah, consumptive stuff. So, um, yeah. And I'm curious, kind of as an aside, is how many men do you know that you, like, you know, in your circle that you would consider having, that are, in, have integrated their trauma? Like, what's the, like, what, I'll put it this way, what percentage of the men you know, at least know it, know fairly well. Yeah. You consider them to have integrated trauma 80 percent um and that's a high number but the it's high because i integrated my trauma i healed myself and i'm and continuing to heal myself to understand what i don't know that i don't know and once we do that and i tell this in my class, like, listen, once you level up your consciousness, you're going to let people go. And that's fine. Um, that's not because you're better and they're worse, but you now are attracting, you're the magnet, as Joe Dispenza says, um, a higher vibration of people. So you don't want to have, you know, necessarily certain conversations anymore. You don't want to watch certain reality TV anymore. Your, your, you focus your bandwidth a little bit more laser-like and you want to be around people that are um, not on that level, but resonate with you and vibrate with you. Yeah. It's interesting because I've noticed that too over the last, as I've done this work, I've never thought about that way. So thank you for that. Cause I never thought about that way. I was like, Oh, well, I noticed the pattern shift is I'm less, I feel more compassion for unintegrated men. And I've tracked it a lot yes. more integrated into my life. Um, and what, here's an interesting common denominator amongst them. All of them are in some sort of recovery, almost all of them, not every one of them. And that goes to like, there's something there, something to like that inner work. Um, so as it relates to kind of the final question here, David, for us to kick around is, you know, we, this is, this, I've used this, this before. I jokingly refer to it as foster research. It's just my opinion using statistics because it's funny. Yeah. To do that. Um, and, <laughs> but, you know, in seriousness, it seems like roughly 40% of men are either openly or, or subtly misogynistic. 
they they're, they're you know they're they're they they seek power for the pursuit of their own coping mechanisms and protection yes. of coping mechanisms which often includes misogyny in that 40 percent of men are domesticated they 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 literally are metaphorically drive minivans and think that white claw is good alcohol yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and I'm, I'm teasing but not really uh, so that leaves like 20% of men that are kind of doing this work. I don't know if that number is accurate, but I use it in this context is most of us, men and women, um, that have reached a level of integration or higher consciousness are living in our days with family members, coworkers, neighbors that are not higher, that, uh, that have a lot of unintegrated trauma. Mm -hmm. so you think about the men that we run into in our lives, um, what's the best way to deal with that? What's the best way to approach them? What's the best way to relate with them? Because what we don't want to do is create this sort of arrogant isolation, which is yes. I'm conscious you're not, so I'm not going to talk to you. At the same time, you have to have boundaries because, you know, they're talk they can be very toxic people sometimes. So yeah. what are your, what are your thoughts on how to deal with somebody else's, some other man's unintegrated trauma? So that's a very interesting question because, um, I automatically default thinking to spiral dynamics. So in spiral dynamics, there's like seven levels. If you reach level seven, you are God, Buddha, uh, Jesus. You are not affected by anything. You're just wise. And very rarely humans get to that level. But we can get to like six, and that's like amazing. In the lower levels, um, you see it when people get very very spiritual um crossfit yoga all these things that are very good for you but then yeah. they get culty and yeah, it's like it's, yeah i can't yeah. be around those type of people like you know i'm at a yeah. higher level and i just and when i was talking to my buddy sabo who taught me spiral dynamics i caught my action I, I caught myself saying yeah you know i just came back from rhythmia i did ayahuasca um mother aya told me that you know all mankind is um uh infected with a virus and that virus is ego and that makes us um hurt uh or pass down trauma to our children that then pass down trauma and the ultimate goal if there's one thing that you do in this this lifetime just heal yourself, heal yourself and don't pass down trauma and you'll be happier and people will be happier. But in one area where you get really, really enlightened, the, the shadow side of that enlightenment is, yeah, you know what? I just can't talk to those people, you know? Like I'm just, I, I wanna have a, a very deeper conversation. And what you learn in that is, okay, you're, you, you've lost your humility because to be really enlightened is to be able to talk to anybody and listen and take in with boundaries. Um, and so when I meet people that have um, obvious trauma, I see myself as, man, I'm just... I crossed that bridge to that island a long time ago. And I, I know, I see where you're at. And now 
instead of telling them what they need to do, I just cognitive coach. I ask them questions to, to better understand where they're at and why they feel this way. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's, that's in general, like once you've healed yourself, you know, put out the fires, you grab the bucket and you go out into the world and try and douse other people that are on fire. Mm -hmm. um, and even then, sometimes you need to be set on fire to what I call a die to live again and burn and rise like the phoenix. So even then, you're like, I don't know, should I toss the, the, the bucket on him? Like maybe he needs to burn a little bit more of that karma. Yeah. That's fascinating. I know a little bit about spiral dynamics, but it just made me, it just sparked me to like, oh, I got to dig into that a little bit more because my, my mentor, my main mentor in my life, wonderful man named Ron Price has this uh, mantra, which is all systems are flawed. Some are useful. Yeah. I feel that way. Like human design, I'm like, all right, it's not really my thing, but you know, it's the useful in that Enneagram on the other hand, that's really useful to me. So, um, so maybe spiral, spiral dynamics is in there too. I, I've thought a lot about this because my tendency is to, you know, I'm an eight in the Enneagram. I love to debate. I like to use words that eviscerate. I've noticed that tendency in me Wow. that, that I can use language like a scalpel and I can eviscerate people instead of enlighten them. Yes. I can't really enlighten anybody, but what I've tried to do, and, and I'm actually going to write an, an, one of my future essays is on how to how to talk to like somebody that's in a cult. So whether that cult is MAGA or yeah. some wellness cult or whatever, how do you talk to them? Because what perpetuates them staying in the cult is that the people that are not in the cult think they're fucking crazy and don't talk to them. Yes. And isolation. Isolation, which makes it worse because now exactly. you're they're with a bunch of people and all they're doing is getting high on, a, on each other's like farts, you know, yep. It's, it's, and it's sad. So what I, what I want to do is I want to find a way to ask a gentle question that to me is the beginning of consciousness. The beginning point of consciousness is the moment when you realize you are not your thoughts and feelings. And my favorite, well, I, my favorite person that does this is my partner, Virginia. She's a mindset coach and she is brilliant at doing this, but we both have a favorite in Byron Katie, who has the, you know, the work. Uh, model. Uh, she calls it the work. And it's how do you know that's true? And so I don't mm -hmm. use that exact question. I do, when somebody says something, and, you know, I, I would put this association, if you have unintegrated trauma, you are in some sort of cult, you're in the cult of work, yes. the cult of working out, you're in a religious, cult cult. you're the cult of some cult of personality. Yeah. And so it's all the same thing. Unintegrated trauma and cult membership is the same thing. So it doesn't really matter what the cult is. And so what I ask, what I ask if I can have a conversation with them is, you know, have they're talking, I'm listening. And I would say, how did you arrive at that conclusion? How did you arrive at that conclusion? And then yeah. you get the, you know, I researched it, you know, I found it on the internet or I was listening yeah. to it. Okay, fine. It's, it, there's a great temptation to be like, well, that's all horse shit. <laughs> instead, I try to try to do this instead. I say, well, what if that wasn't true? What else do you believe in that may not be true? Yeah. And so I got into the last like couple of years. Um, I got into this mindset of 
I don't care what you believe. Mm-hmm. I care why you believe it. Right. And so I will would always start and say, listen, two men, two people come to me and one says, my God is Allah. The other guy says, my God is Yahweh. I look at them both and say, you're both right. And when they start fighting about whose God is the right God, then I say, now you're both wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because in, in life, we shouldn't be really arguing what we believe. We should be discussing why we believe that. Yeah. And because that is a dialogue. Like that's what we can actually talk about that is really cool. And when we do it in a non-judgmental sense, meaning, listen, I don't know shit, okay? I'm a guru, I talk to people, I help them with the trauma. And at at the end, I only know what I know. Mm -hmm. And here's the kicker. I know what I don't know. I know I don't speak German. I know I'm not a trapeze artist. So everything that you think you don't know, you actually know it. But then there's this beautiful circle of everything outside what you don't know that you don't know. That's fucking where we learn. That's where we sit with somebody else and remove our judgment predispositions the stories the religion everything and we say huh that's interesting yeah wow i would add to that going back to muscular consciousness though is i will i i feel and i feel i examine my heart every time i do this i will challenge behavior that is dehumanizing others yes and I that's... will not tolerate like racist comments. I will not tolerate misogynistic comments. I will challenge it every time I hear it. Um, and, and, and I don't mean challenge it, like get on Facebook and get in an argument. It's just straight up. Like what, what I really consciously try to pull the is, shield and sword out. Yes. Right. And I try to be like a, you know, it's a Viking blood. Like I, yeah. I want to, I want to be careful that I'm not condemning them. I'm challenging their behavior. Exactly. Um, and just like a child. It's like a child or a, a dog, you know, and to some extent, like it's not, there's nothing, I'm not questioning your character entirely, but I am questioning your judgment. Related exactly. To your lack of awareness to, you know, using, being, using insensitive language or being overly aggressive or, um, you know, and it's sometimes it's, yeah. And I'm not saying that always works, but what it does for me whether, you know, to ask these questions, to listen, to challenge behavior when it's necessary, is it keeps me from isolating. Yes. Um, And it keeps me from like, well, I'm only going to hang out with people like David Kassler, you know, because we, 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 life isn't like that. We have to go out like, again, my, my main hero and model for consciousness is Jesus. And he did that. He went out he lived with the people. He hung out with them. He flipped over tables. Yeah, he challenged the Pharisees and and healed people. And, you know, he wasn't like, he wasn't a monk. He wasn't. Yeah. And, and with with fathers um, and, you know, every man is a father, whether you have children or not. Um, you're a father to other men. You're a father to your nieces and nephews. Um, right. 
you are should be a good example and i teach my kids be sheep dogs like yeah just stand up stand up if you see somebody bullying somebody else there is right and wrong in this in, yeah. in, in, in this life and hurting somebody doing anything that would hurt somebody is lack of consciousness and it's wrong and yes. you know my my son was going into middle school you know his first day he's like dad you know he's kind of like a loner he's like he's cool he's the old soul everybody loves to talk to him like adults but he's socially a little awkward and he said um how do i make friends i said go to school be your genuine self and if you see something say something me meaning like man that's a cool backpack i really like your backpack like start expressing yourself in a loving way then people will we all love to hear accolades or mm -hmm. affirmment. So yes. if you do that, you're just be a genuine, nice guy. But like Jordan Peterson says, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. So I teach yeah. my kids to stand up and, and hey, if, if you have to be violent, there is a time and place. I, I know it as a Marine and I'm avoiding, yes. I hate violence. Right. But it need, but like you said, it's, it, I mean, Theodore Roosevelt, who was a moderately evolved dude said, you know, walk softly and carry a big stick. And that walk softly is consciousness. And the big stick is to me is that muscular consciousness. So, well, you are a fascinating dude. You, by the way, you, uh, my former partner, the mother of, you know, my, one of my dearest friends in the world uh, who I've had on Lena, she has, I call it the nice face rule, which is if someone has a nice face, they're probably cool to talk to. And you, so you, you have a nice face. Like, like if I you. saw you someplace, I'd be like, I think we should talk to each other. Cause you have a nice face. <laughs> I swear to God, if I'm at target and I've have a red shirt on yeah. my whole life, people will just come to me and be like, Hey, can I, can I need, uh, I need help. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, the um, it's, the, it's the sheepdog in, in energy. You got that border collie, like uh, Aussie shepherd. Uh, yeah. Energy, so, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, this is awesome. Um, thank you for doing this. Uh, and um, I look forward to continuing the conversation offline as well. Yeah, definitely. And thank you. And then um, as a last thing, mm -hmm. Foster, I deeply and dearly love you. I love you too, brother. <laughs>